The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to P.I.'s Declassified, an inside look at the world of private investigators. Your host is Francie Kaler, a noted private investigator. Francie and her guests take you behind the scenes and into the genuine, sometimes gritty business of investigation. You'll hear stories from the trenches with plenty of surprises. Here's your host, Francie Kaler. I am so jazzed today to welcome my friend Jason Womack to the show. Jason is the author of Your Best Just Got Better, Work Smarter, Think Bigger, Make More. So besides being an author, Jason speaks internationally and is a productivity coach. Anyone can benefit from what Jason has to say, but it has particular meaning for corporate leaders, entrepreneurs, business owners like private investigators, and other legal professionals. Hello, Jason. Hello, and uh, good morning, everybody. Thanks for being with us for a little little bit of time today. Yeah, and thanks for making time to for the show. You, I know you're a busy guy, and uh, I really appreciate you taking the time. Absolutely. I think it goes in line with the kinds of folks, Francie, that I think are attracted to your work. I did listen to a couple of episodes, and I mean, look, at everyone's trying to get from the day as much as possible, so they have a little bit at the end to give, give to their friends, their family, their community, and that's really, what, uh, that's really what I'm about. It's true, and you know, I, I have to say to you, to you listeners, Jason sees the world differently, and I know that because I was fortunate enough to be able to spend a few days with him last summer. You will find he does not compromise at all when it comes to productivity and finding time to work on what he considers his most important things, and he's going to be talking about that. But Jason, I know you weren't born a productivity coach. What was the path you took? Well, I mean, at some point, we have to call the elephant in the room out here that uh, <laughs> we have we have someone in common that we both know who's, who's my dad, and um, we'll see how, how far we go in there. But look, I grew up between two different households. My mom and stepdad owned a small, quaint French restaurant on the west coast of California, while my dad was the COO and president of the Sharper Image. Right. So if I look at my, I call it Narnia childhood, <laughs> every other week I, I drove across the Golden Gate Bridge and I lived with the other family for a while. So with my mom and stepdad, it was all about small business, entrepreneur, can we get that one family to come back to the restaurant every single Tuesday night? Sure. Then I would go hang out with my dad, and those of you listening, if you remember that store, the, the chain called the Sharper Image, and the catalog that arrived in your house every day, it was always about that next awesome, cool thing that everyone was going to have to have. Exactly. And I think that I was born with this or raised with this viewpoint of the world that said there's a medium between struggling to succeed and 
all-out business focus. And, and mm-hmm. that's where I get to draw the line these days. It's so interesting. And we should, let's mention your dad's name since we've talked about him so much. Craig Womack. Um, and I used to work for Craig as well years and years and years ago. So uh, uh, we certainly honor him with uh, what we're doing here today, actually, because he taught me a lot as well. Absolutely. I mean, you know, my dad, if, if anybody's in the business of, of hiring and or firing people, uh, you know, see if you can buy coffee from my dad. He's, he's so good at... <laughs> seeing where someone is, but most importantly, seeing where they can go. I mean, Francie, you know, just to continue the story a little bit, my life categorically changed when I was 17 years old. I was having dinner at my dad's house. Um, it was a year before I was going to leave for college. And across the table, my dad's looking at me like, what, what the heck is this guy going to do with his <laughs> life? But he, he said something that I never know. I think I'm still beginning to learn to appreciate. He said, Jason, if you teach, you'll always have a job. Mm-hmm. Now, Francie, back in the 80s, I took that to mean, oh, teach, teacher, high school right. teacher. I can right. do that. And I went and did that. Uh, I left education 15 years ago. I've been out, quote, on my own uh, since that time. And then Jody, my wife, and I, over the past eight years, we've started three small businesses. They're all in advising and coaching, uh, but mm-hmm. each one has its own way of tackling an issue that we both fell in love with. Great. So we'll come back to that. When, when you were teaching, Jason, you were teaching in, in Ohio, California, correct? Exactly. So, one year in Santa Barbara, and then I taught for four years up in Ohio. Okay. And you were teaching what? Well, I always say I was teaching accountability and responsibility, but I was hired to teach U.S. and world history Uh and Spanish language. So I was teaching in dual departments. I was in the foreign language department teaching Spanish one, two, three. I was in world history, U.S. history, so I was in the social studies department as well. Mostly freshmen, sophomores, and juniors were my kids. And what was the impetus for you leaving education? Uh, I was too big for the job, and the job was too big for me. That's what I've been telling people lately, Francie. Um, I loved the idea of going to a classroom because I could close the door, and for that day, those 150 kids were, were mine, and I was theirs, and, and we could do awesome things that were curiosity-based. Mm-hmm. The more I got into education and the more that the, the I call it the economy changed, but it was really everything the more we went toward the standardization of education, I realized that it, it wasn't what I signed up for. Interesting. And then what did you do first once you left there? So I, I actually put a leave of absence in, and it's, it's fun actually trying to piece this histoire together, Francie. Uh, but here, here's what happened. It was my fourth year of teaching, and it was April and I went into my superintendent's office one afternoon. I'd, been, I'd thought about this for a while. Jody and I talked about this for a while. And I put in for a year leave of absence. So for those of you listening who, if you're full into your business, I think you'll appreciate this. If those of you are trying to figure out, is this something you are going to get into, the year leave of absence gave me that net that I could leave, I could go try something, and then come back if I needed it. Mm-hmm. I didn't have anything lined up next, Francie. 
and that scared a lot of people. Uh, scared my dad. Um, <laughs> Didn't Jody scare I, you. <laughs> well, Jody and I knew that I couldn't stay in an environment where I was feeling stifled. I was feeling mm-hmm. like um, there wasn't there wasn't a real way I, I knew I was winning. Well, very quickly, I got picked up by a consultant in Ojai, actually, who his book was just about to come out onto the shelves. And he knew that he was going to need a few more people on his team. So uh, I worked for a time management company. I ran one- and two-day seminars, and I did that for four and a half years, over 350 getting things done seminars that I was the lead facilitator of. So that gave me the exercise of, okay, as a high school teacher, I can make a lesson plan. As a Mm -hmm. consultant, I can teach someone else's stuff. Then in 2006, I came home from a trip. I turned to Jody. I said, there's a need that's not been tapped. Uh, I want to go talk about this thing called your best just got better. I I wanted to work with the people who were already successful, kind of like Olympic athletes. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to work with them to make them better, kind of like winning a gold medal. Okay. Okay. And, And what was lacking in what you were teaching with the consulting business that you saw there was a need for? This one, I'm not going to go into the details of it because we're going to do that after our first break as far uh-huh. as content, but here's how, how I did it. And, and again, I'm trying to frame this in terms of how people who are running their own show, how people are looking to expand their business, I'd like to drop ideas that I may be able to use. Here's uh-huh. what I did, Francie. While I was working for the other organization, I started keeping track. I started keeping a record, and I am... Well, I know you're really good, so you and I could probably meet at this one, but I track everything and anything. I I will write down a silly idea because I never know if I might need to come back to that. I'll mm-hmm. write something down in the moment that I know is going to be life-changing and altering that I want to be able to re- read what I was experiencing at the time. So here's what I did. I started keeping track of the questions I was being asked before I showed up to do a program. Mm-hmm. while I was delivering the work, and then anything that came up afterwards. So mm-hmm. let's pretend I was going to give a time management seminar in a month for this other company. Well, during that month, I'd be emailing with the client. I'd be talking with the client. You know, little things like what should I wear and how many people wear that will be. Well, right. whenever they asked me a question that was answered in the current company's, what do you call that, bailiwick, mm-hmm. um, I would just go with that. It's like, okay, cool. Here's the corporate answer. Here's the company's answer during the seminar. Uh, right. I, knew that, I knew this guy's book so well that people could raise their hand in the seminar. They could ask me a question, and I would say, oh, the answer's on page. Mm-hmm. And I knew what answer their page, their, I knew what page their answer was in his book. Yeah. And then afterwards, I did the same thing. Now, here's the deal. People asked me questions that weren't answered by their stuff. Yeah. Well, It only took me about 18, maybe 20 months until I had this journal notebook. Actually, I I used to use the Palm. Remember the Palm organizer had those lists inside of it? Right. Anyway, I I just had a little section called questions that I had to make an answer up to. And the, the book, Your Best Just Got Better, is my answer to the three biggest questions I got. Underneath those three questions, there were a few other things that were the details of how to answer those those big questions. Okay. Cool. And then you started your own company. 
And then um, we, we uh, came back from that one trip, I told you. That was the end of 2006. Uh, Jody and I started our firm on January 1st of 2007. We had a website, jasonwomack.com. We had four pages that she built on a computer, uh, a Mac computer in iWeb way back then. Um, oh, and then here's, here's how I, <clears throat> I went after clients, because the only thing I left the other company with was a non-compete. Mm-hmm. So um, I couldn't bring, obviously, the content. That was his. I couldn't bring the contacts because they were theirs. So what I did is I used this, this thing that you all are probably a part of at some level called LinkedIn. So sure. what I did is I went and found people who would probably be in a position to bring someone like me in. Now, real quick side note, this is great for everybody listening. What is someone like me? And I challenge all of you to do that for yourselves. When you say, oh, you want to hire someone like me, well, that's just not the five-foot-four frame that's 135 pounds that likes to wear lucky jeans. There's a Mm -hmm. lot more to what someone like me is. And so I started making a list. What were my assets? Well, I can create a lesson plan out of thin air. I can edutain an audience and get them laughing and learning simultaneously. And I'm one of the best people on the planet at follow-up. Mm-hmm. I mean, once I get your email address, you're mine until you say <laughs> stop. And my job is to bring value to the table. So here's what I did, Francis. I went to LinkedIn. And I found anybody who was in a position to hire someone like me. I hand wrote letters and I mailed them to them at their offices. And the, each letter, it was a form, but I hand wrote it and it had three sections. The first section was who I am. The, the second section was what I liked about their company. And the third section was three questions. It was, does your company have some kind of training, learning, and development need? Mm-hmm. What is that if you were to title it a class? And how much money would you pay me if I put it together, came and delivered it to you? And I started doing that the first and second week of January. By the third week of January, I'd been hired by a company. By the 31st of January, I'd already cashed two checks in the company name. And we started February 1st of our first year of business ahead. Certainly a confirmation that it was meant to be, for sure. Yeah, you know, I was paying my mortgage, we we're paying our bills. Um, we, oh, by the way, we'd grown, we'd grown accustomed to a lifestyle that a teacher's salary could afford. Sure. But pretty much, I, I, I had to show up and do some pretty good work, and, and that was what got us started. Mm. Wow, that's great. So, um, so you, let's go back to these letters. You hand wrote these letters. On, on what? On regular stationery? On letterhead? Uh, on... Remember my, my background. <laughs> Finder right. paper. Three hole punch because I had a whole stock <laughs> of it in my, in my, in my office. It, it, it's what I had. It, you know, there's a lesson to all of us. Start with what you have. Start exactly where you are. If I had waited in my career in, in starting my business, if I had waited until the website was perfect, the logo color was right, the, the font size was the exact, I, I don't know that I'd be standing in New York right now looking at the Freedom Tower. Um, exactly. I, 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 I absolutely trust the fact that the universe will meet me at the point of action. Now, will I change things over time, or to use the Silicon Valley term, will I pivot? 
Absolutely. And that's just based on the information that the, that, the, that the universe provides to me. This is off. This is on. Do less of this. Do more of that. You bring up such a great point because there are so many people that I've talked to that can't get started because they're paralyzed because by figuring out what their business card is going to look like, figuring out what their website is going to look like, and just don't get, ever get started. And, and for me, what outweighed that personally, and if this helps any of you, I, I hope that you'll run with it, what outweighed it was people were asking me for help, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. what I was going to be able to do for them, what you as, as private investigators, what you do for people is you bring them a sense of safety or you bring them a sense of closure, you bring them a sense of control. That's what people are paying you for. They're not paying you so that their website experience has a clickable icon on top. And, and um, you know, that's, just, that's, that's, that's how I look at it is what is the experience that someone could have and how efficaciously, how efficiently can I bring that to them? Okay. Jason, we've got to take a break. We have so much more to talk about. Back in a couple minutes. Don't go away. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call one 800 350 C-A-L-I. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on P.I.'s Declassified. American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. Join host Gary Ray as he shows what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network, live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. IRB Focus, created by IRB Search, brings together the best data in an entirely new system. New features and data, all in a responsive format, gives professional investigators a better tool to close cases. The Just Launch Connections Network even gives secure opportunities for collaboration and job referrals. Learn more about IRB Focus at irbsearch.com or call us at 1-800-447-2112 to get started. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. 
You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. My guest, Jason Wilmot, focuses on creating and implementing ideas that change the way leaders work and create environments where productivity, sustainable productivity is a norm. Jason, you were just talking about these handwritten letters you wrote on the paper you had in your office when you left teaching. What about that? I need to hear more about that. a, A little bit more about the evolution of that. So I told you, Jody, and I started our company and, and, you know, kind of what I had, the asset I had was I could create a lesson and I could, I could bring that to the table in a way that people would get information while they were enjoying the process. The handwritten letter concept that got us started, I still use it to this day. Hmm. And I have a habit, a routine. Uh, every day I write a handwritten letter of gratitude to someone out on the planet every day so now, I, I rock now you're, seven. You're, excuse me jason you're talking about letters or or, or note cards uh, you call- either one my okay. my gratitude card generally is between 150 and 300 words so this is my daily process of sitting down looking back on the day and asking myself a very simple yet extremely complex question, which sounds like, who helped me today? Mm-hmm. Who helped me today? Now, sometimes it's a client. Sometimes it's a vendor. Sometimes it's a, uh, someone in the service industry. It could be the manager of the hotel. It could be the, uh, the commissioner of the taxi cab organization of New York City. But what mm-hmm. I found is that this process of stopping and actually, for me, and, and, and play around with this, anybody, but for me, moving a pen across a piece of paper and seeing my thoughts land there, uh, it's, it's pure magic. It's, 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 it's an engagement method that I've been using for a long, long time. Well, and I know you do that because I've seen you. In the time we spent together, I saw you do this. I know you do it, and it's very, you're very committed to that process. It's a great idea. It's a great idea that we have lost because we have email. <laughs> we you know, have- it, 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 it is. And, and look, it's not for everybody. Um, I don't put a business card in my thank you card. Uh, I generally don't even put a return address on my thank you mm. card because I don't want them to think – well, I, I certainly don't want them to think that it's a marketing play, um, but I don't want people to receive this and go, oh, I should thank him for the thank you. I don't know if you've ever had that happen where oh, you yeah. send an email yeah. to someone and they thank you and then they said thank you for the thank you. It's like, stop it. <laughs> I do that. <laughs> I have to tell you, I do that. <laughs> okay. So All right. That's, that's a little piece I just want to say. And, and you know, what it does is, is it kind of it recommits myself to the engagement process. I know in a year I'm really going to only serve between five and, and maybe ten clients. That, that's pretty much a full book for me. Now, okay. one client may have me come out five or 25 times, uh, one group may have me work with three to five managers, um, but the client is who I am, I am moving back and, and really wanting to, to be there with. Okay. All right. So 
let's move into your book a little bit, Jason, because I, um, as I told you earlier today, I have read your book from cover to cover. I find it exciting, fascinating, and something I want to read again. And that I mentioned at the first of the program, your best just got better, work smarter, think bigger, and make more. Um, one of the things that I loved about it is you talked about something called MITs. Can you talk about that? Most important things, and I like this because sometimes people see it and they think of the Massachusetts Institute for Technology <laughs> and think kind of smart or something, um, but here's, here's what I came up with is that while I was in high school, it was always about, my entire life was one to six hours from now. It was always one to six hours from now. So if I went to sleep at night, in six hours, I was going to be back at the classroom. If I was eating lunch, in one hour, I was going to be taking or giving some tests. The next job I had was pretty much one to six days in the future where, I mean, there was one year, Francie, it was, it was 168 airplane flights in one mm-hmm. year, and it was about 260 nights in hotels just to get my body around the planet to do the work that I had committed to doing. When I wow. moved that out and I went one to six weeks into the future, my life mm-hmm. changed. The whole game changed. And I started to realize I need to prioritize. I, right. I need to know one to six weeks from now, not what I'm going to have to do, but what the experience is that I'm going to want to talk about in seven weeks or in 12 weeks. Um, I don't set goals anymore. I, I don't work clients to set goals. What we do is we describe experiences that they'd like to talk about later. So on a very low level, someone says, oh, I have a goal of going to Maui and riding my bicycle down the hill. I want to, that's my goal. Mm-hmm. I'll say, great. Tell me about the experience. What, what, what do you want to experience with that? And, mm-hmm. I mean, the first thing they'll say is, like, oh, you know, I want to be safe. It's like, oh, how exciting. Um, and mm-hmm. I want someone to be with me. Oh, that's interesting. And what happens is it becomes such a more rich organization in the mind, not just, oh, I'm going to cross that finish line and be done with it. Oh, no, I'm going to go toward that finish line. But along the way, I'm going to bring people with me. I'm going to bring things with me. I'm going to focus on where I'm going. So the most important things. Here's what I'll challenge. If you're driving, do this later. If you're sitting somewhere where you can write something down, what I'll ask you to do is to write down the first 7, 12, the first 20 things that are important to you. Okay. Is it family? Is it money? Is it business? Is it community? Is it your spiritual beliefs? Is it your friends? What are those 7 to 12 to 20 most important things? Okay. Now, seasonally... You kind of take a look at these, and, and the way that I'll do it with clients, Francie, is we'll write these on Post-it, little um, sticky notes. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, I'll say, great, you know, we're recording this in, in November uh, when we have this conversation. If you look out over the next six weeks of this year, rank order how much attention you're going to give to your most important things. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you right now, most of the people that I work with, family is going to be way up near the top. We have that holiday. We have that holiday. We have that vacation. Their business may be somewhere in the middle, and maybe they're going to put something else. So you, you let yourself do this activity. Mm-hmm. But then come the new year, I've got a lot of people that relook at that sticky note structure and go, you know what? It's time for me to put this 
priority on. I'm going to do everything I can to rekindle my relationships with my past clients. Mm-hmm. Um, a little activity that's kind of fun for business owners, for those of you who are at least semi in charge of running your own show. But I would say if you open up your email sent items, go back five or seven months, who were you emailing then that you're not emailing now? Hmm. Whenever I do this, I see people's names. I go, oh, my goodness, I haven't heard from him in four yeah. months. I haven't talked with him in seven months. Lo and behold, I'll drop a line. I'll send a card. I'll send an email. I'll give him a call. Too many times, Francie, I've heard someone say, Jason, we were just talking about you. Can you come in and bum, 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 bum. So this concept of most important things for me got me out of the now tasks of the one to six hours, the now pressure of the one to six days, and it pushed me out a little bit further into the next one to six weeks. Well, I noticed that, uh, and you mentioned your website, but you also have this company called Get Momentum. And I pulled out a document today called The Questions Leaders Ask Themselves Every Year, and it's dated November 16th this year. And it starts out by saying, ladies and gentlemen, start your engines. And it gives things that in 2015, and you, you give this to people, whoever logs into your website, as a homework assignment. Yes. And you're writing this from New York City, where you are right now, looking out your hotel window. And you're thinking about what people, other people, and yourself probably, what you should be looking at or need to be looking at or maybe should consider looking at in 2015. You want to expand on that? I I mean, in in a way, I I kind of look to, well, no, I totally look to other people because they're really smart. I mean, there's this guy named Al, um, a great mentor of mine. I've learned a ton from this guy, Albert Einstein. He, He said, either everything's a miracle or nothing is. My version of that is, Either my life is important or it's not. Now, I know that's that's kind of a a, a trite thing to say, especially at this time of the year. But look, one year from now, 12 months from now, who I am, how I am, what I weigh, uh, how much money I have in the bank account, it's all going to depend on what I do tomorrow, who Mm -hmm. I spend time with this weekend, Mm -hmm. and what I learn this month. Hmm. Well, and, I, and I, I know what I know about you, Jason, is you're also a triathloner, and you apply these same ideals to what you do when you're training and you're running and athletic activities. You know, something that you said a while ago really struck home with me, and it is about that, that integration. Um, I mean, a lot of, you know, we used to use the word balance uh, when, when people were talking about work balance, life balance, health mm-hmm. balance, wealth balance. I, I don't see it that way anymore. Um, I actually think instead of a switch on the wall that's either on or off, it's a series of dimmer switches. And there's so many dimmer switches that when you walk in, you forget which light is actually driven by which dimmer switch. I don't know if you've ever been in a house like that, but you kind of have to turn them all on and go, oh, I wanted that one. Uh-huh. And what, what happens is when I look out, so me as an athlete, me as a husband, me as an author, me as a coach, you with your MITs that you made a nice list of just then, question I ask myself is, okay, if I'm going to be a 
If I'm going to be a nine interviewee right now, mm-hmm. it means I need to be a three vendor to the client that I'm working with tomorrow morning. Now, okay. literally. Could you I'll explain that? Some, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people go, oh, no, Jason, you have to treat every client as if they're a 10. I go, great. If I were treating my client as a 10 and I were treating you, Francie, at a 10, that would mean that I'd be talking to you with two eyes on my email inbox waiting for them to email me just in case they do. Which is exactly what most of us are doing. I do that. I'm either too ADD, I'm too man, I'm too I don't even know what, but I need to be able to turn that one down so I can turn that one up. Now, the question I have for you all is, how many days in a row can you go at a three to your clients, at a three to your marriage, at a three to your health, at a three to your family, at a three to your, and you can just keep on going with this. Exactly. So for me, it's a series of dialing that in, and then this, let's go real quick back to that idea of the MITs. On Sunday, and I do this religiously on Sunday, no pun intended, uh, but on Sundays, I forecast out those next one to six days. And frankly, I actually write down the MITs for those five or six days, those one to six days, mm-hmm. at least two or three of them. So on Tuesday, tomorrow, I'm doing, a, 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 I'm doing two seminars for a client out in Queens, New York. Um, I'm doing two seminars for a client. I know my MIT is my client. And my MIT is my follow-up that night. Everything else is going to be second to those two MITs. That means I may not talk to Jody for more than five or ten minutes. That may mean that I'm not going to read that novel that I started. That may not mean that I'm going to get to go out with a buddy of mine here in this city. Now, come Wednesday, I can change all that up. No seminar so I can be a better husband. No seminar so I can be a better learner. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, that's framed so well. Um, and at least for me, I don't think of things that way. So that, thank you. Thank you for that. That's, that's very insightful for me anyway. Especially, you know, I, and I can only imagine, because again, I've, I've only been in your community for a little while and, and everyone listening to this, they're like, you know, why do you have a, a, an, a an executive coach on a PI show? Right. Um, <laughs> But, but if you take a look at it, is I want to find the fundamentals. I want to find the things that fit for anybody who looks out of the world and says, it can be better. Mm-hmm. Whether that's the microscopic nuclear family unit can be better, your own health wellness, your own uh, uh, health wealth wellness, those kinds of things. Um, or if you have that grander vision for a, a safer, better, um, I'll let you come up with what it is. Everyone has these things that we look out and we go, I bet it could be better only if, or well, if someone yeah, and, would just. For sure, because what happens to most of us is that we focus, we put all our energies in one thing, whether that's our clients, whether it's our home, whether it's our family, whatever it is, but we don't change the focus. We're not, we're not altering it like what you're talking about, that one day something's a 10 and the next day something's a 3 or, or whatever, you know. That, that's a great concept. You know, and, and, and we live in a world where a coaching or a learning is, is literally 
uh, next to us at the coffee shop. I mean, I'll, I'll tell people all the time. It's like, look it, I am one uncomfortable introduction away from someone who could change my life. If I'll just reach out and say hello to someone in the elevator or someone in line at the coffee shop. Um, we, we are the proverbial product of our environment. If that's true, how do you create an environment or how do you go to an environment that is designed for you and your success? And you brought up a subject I want to talk about. We need to take another break. And that was the voice of Jason Womack. Stay tuned. IRB Focus, created by IRB Search, brings together the best data in an entirely new system. New features and data, all in a responsive format, gives professional investigators a better tool to close cases. The Just Launch Connections Network even gives secure opportunities for collaboration and job referrals. Learn more about IRB Focus at irbsearch.com or call us at 1-800-447-2112 to get started. If you are a dreamer aspiring to realize your dreams, join host Michael Friedlander for Dreamers, Winners, and Making a Difference. For Michael, to be a winner doesn't mean you must have finished first or must have great wealth, fame, and lots of toys. Instead, it means you must have realized your dreams without cheating or acting unethically. It means you must have made a difference for the better in the lives of those you've touched. Tune in to Dreamers, Winners, and Making a Difference live every Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call one 800 350 C-A-L-I. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on PIs Declassified. You're listening to PIs Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. Today's program with Jason Womack is about... Providing methods to maximize your time, your life, and create balance between your work and personal life. Jason, you mentioned before the break about having coffee. I love the idea that you uh, talk about in your book where you set up coffee meetings all over the country. Could you talk about that? 
So important to know that up until I was in my mid-30s, I actually didn't drink coffee. And I was one of those guys who would be at the morning breakfast and someone would walk in and go, I need my coffee. And I was the chipper guy, you know, like, how are you so excited in the morning? But, and this is the important but, I realized that if I wanted to hang out with more people, they do a coffee ritual. This is around the world, Francie. Uh, I've done coffee chat is how you find it on Instagram or on Facebook or Twitter, hashtag coffee chat. And next week, I'll be doing one in Singapore. Uh, I've done them in Bali. I've done them around Europe. I've done them in South America. Let's come back to our country. When mm-hmm. I'm traveling, I know where I'm going to be for about a week at a time. I'll call ahead to a local coffee shop and I'll say, hey, could I come by with a couple of my friends or clients? What would be the best morning next week? Now, look, what small business owner is not going to want right. people to come by? Exactly. So I've got the local economy thing. I've got the reaching out thing. When I do show up, occasionally the owner will be there and go, what exactly are you doing? And I just tell them, I said, look, it, I'm here. I'm talking about my book. And there's people who want to come and talk about my book with me. So by default, it's a business generation tool. By intention, it's a community development program. And so how, do, how does this work? You put out there that you're going to be at such and such a place at such and such a time, and people just show up? And, and you know, again, there's so many different ways of this. My guess is that a lot of you listening to this, you have a morning place that you stop at. And you have a certain group of people that you spend time with. What would happen if you told that certain group of people, hey, next Tuesday, I'm going to be having coffee that morning or breakfast or lunch or an afternoon beer, if that's your thing. But what I do, Francie, is I pick some topic that I think is topical that I would want to talk about with really, sorry, um, that I would want to talk about with other smart people. Okay. And so that's the shout out. Like next week, the coffee chat in Singapore is about talent development. I want to get together with a couple of people, two, three, four, five people, and I want to ask them how their companies or themselves are leadership development opportunities. They're creating talent development opportunities. But for me, of course, it's a way to connect people. It's a way to meet people. It's a way to keep maintaining and growing relationships. But you know what? It's also a way for me to put my finger on what's the direction the market's going in. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Well, it's a, just a, it's a fantastic idea. And, of course, as you probably know, private investigators travel quite a bit. So we're in different cities. I was in Louisville, Kentucky last week. Uh, we travel several times a year, not nearly the 168 flights that you have, but we do travel <laughs> extensively. And so that's, that is a great way to get together and meet people uh, that, you know, you might have shared interests with. And, and you know, it's, it's an excuse, right? I can call those people that I haven't seen since college days, or we met at that mm. conference last year. And it's not, a, here's what it is, Francie, it's not the commitment of a dinner. It's not right. the big ask of, can I come by your office and chat for a while? It's, it's coffee on your way to work. Come mm-hmm. by for five minutes, come by for 50 minutes. 
And, um, you know, especially for those of you who are traveling, uh, I'll just call it out loud. Traveling is a lonely business, if I let it be. And as a social creature, probably a little bit further on the outside of that extrovert line, um, I'm better when I'm with friends. I'm better when I'm in deep conversations with people. I'm better mm-hmm. when I'm, I'm, I'm continuing to think. That, that's mm-hmm. what I love to do. You gain, you gain your energy from that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, you, you talk about uh, meeting with a woman who is uh, um, in a higher-up position in a major corporation where uh, you had a meeting for a certain time and her assistant evidently notified you that the meeting that she was in prior to yours was running late. Could you talk about the advice that you gave her and and what you did? Because that evident that's a problem for all of us. We go to you meet know, with a client. I absolutely, thought, go ahead. and and this one's really about time. And I know we're coming close to our time together, so I'm going to be right. especially conscious of this. Okay. I share with people or coach them in a philosophy I call. Here's another acronym for you. It's A B R. Always be ready. So okay. in the case of the story you read in the book, I did get to the client site. I was on time for our meeting. I wound up having 20 extra minutes between the time we were supposed to meet and the time we actually met. But I was waiting in a conference room with a big, nice table sitting in a really comfortable chair. And because I practice ABR, I was able to run through a list of actions in that 20 minutes Now, by the way, I had no idea when I was tracking this that I would ultimately use it in the book. I just thought it was kind of a cool opportunity. It might be a story for a seminar someday. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it wound up being a really important part of the book because if you're ready, and I call them micro-tasks, Francie, if you're ready to call a hotel and confirm a reservation, if you're ready, if you're prepared to draft the conclusion of a blog post you're putting out, if you're prepared to... And there's probably 20, 30 things you do in a week that you just need two to four minutes for. Mm-hmm. What I don't want to do is use my valuable desk time where I have to do that two to four minute task 20 or 30 times a week. I'm going to catch these breaks during the week. I call them accidental 1% blocks of time. Mm-hmm. Um, real quick on that, in a day, there's, there's 96 15-minute blocks of time in a 24-hour period. So that means one 15-minute chunk is about 1%. When I started to do this math and I realized that a one-hour meeting was a 4% take of my day, Uh I really got very clear about how many one-hour meetings I took and Uh how much time I let waste because if I waste an hour, you know, I wouldn't take a dollar bill out and give someone four cents every single time. That'd be silly. Uh Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. And and along with that same idea before you go back with your with talking about your client, you recommend getting a timer and and setting your timer for 15 minutes and doing whatever you can in that 15 minutes and stop. As an experiment, and this will only take 2 days. If you do this one 2-day period and never again for the rest of your life, you'll always remember it. When you sit down to do something that you think will take a couple of minutes, start a little timer. If you sit down to do something that you think should take an hour, set a countdown timer. On Mm -hmm. the one side, I'd love to see what actually 
constitutes a couple of minutes. You know, for those of you who work in an office, you have people walk in, knock on your cubicle, knock on your door, and ask you for a minute. They don't want a minute. <laughs> you know, 60 seconds is not what they're actually asking you for. So identifying, oh, for me to write the concluding paragraph to a blog post I write, that takes about 15 minutes. The next time I have a 15-minute block open, I have one of two choices. I could go scroll through my email to look for something entertaining, or I can pull out a piece of paper and draft the conclusion to a blog post. Mm-hmm. And that's just one silly little example, Francie. Well, and, and uh, I understand your death on getting involved in email. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm pretty good because you know email is a substitute for any kind of a conversation that we could have. There's there's three yeah. kinds of conversations. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much time we have for this conversation, but this might be something we talk about next year. Uh, but real quick, there's transactional, relationship building, and opportunity development conversations. As I'm scanning email with a client, I just have her or him go through which ones are T, which ones are R, which ones are O. Mm -hmm. So all the transactional emails that come in, we're going to systematize. I'm going to move toward automation of those. All Mm -hmm. the relationship building emails that come in, I'm going to look to get the most I can from that relationship. And that opportunity development emails, those are the ones that I ache for. I can't wait to be invited in to, to get that new deal, to get the expansion of the work that we've been going for all year. Yeah. And, and email are such time gobblers. And we can, you could start on your email and spend the rest of the day there <laughs> if, you, if you allowed yourself to do that. And if anybody email if anybody emails me, um, but if you email me, Francine, let's give them my email address in the show notes if they want. Jason at WomackCompany.com. I've got some great stuff on email management uh, for Gmail, oh, for Microsoft Outlook, um, and the, the ideas work across platform, whatever platform you use. And you've also got, I have to say, you've also got a lot of great articles on your website. Um, you know, probably the best place to visit is www time to get momentum.com time to get momentum and there's a blog there that you can look at there are videos there that you can watch if any of that helps uh, i hope it does and if you want to talk about any of that stuff uh, give me a shout anytime yeah for sure so back to the lady that you were meeting with uh you gave her some very good advice um can can you, you know, I, de- I, detail I, what that was I, I, I didn't give her advice as I told her what I did in that 20 minutes. And here's how I started it, Francie. When we finally sat down, I, I looked at her and look, at she flown me out. Literally, she paid for me to fly from California to New York for, for a 15-minute meeting, mm-hmm. which started 20 minutes late, which actually went for an hour. That's another story. Um, <laughs> when we sat down, the first question I asked her, I says, how often do you run late? Now, you've got you to stop for a moment, right? I mean, this is a pretty powerful woman as a managing uh-huh. director of this investment bank. But I realized, like, look, it, I can't pull any punches here. And it was early in the morning. It wasn't even late in the afternoon. Uh-huh. And I said, how often do you run late? She looked at me, she rolled her eyes. She said, Jason, all the time. I said, well, the first thing we've got to dial in here is what do you do when something like what happened to me happened to you? And she kind of looked at me quizzical, and I said, yes, meetings always run late, but what happens in between the ones that don't start on time? Mm-hmm. Well, 
I told her, I said, here's the six things that I did. And I just went down the list. I showed her everything that I had done. I showed her my call log on my phone. So I didn't want her to think I was making anything up. And she just looked at me, you know, mouth on the floor kind of a thing. Like uh-huh. you did, she said, you did all that in 20 minutes. I said, yes, because what I didn't have to do in those 20 minutes is think about what to do in 20 minutes. Right. Because you were always ready. And that might be the takeaway for for some of us listening. Mm -hmm. If Mm -hmm. I can have pre-thought what it is I could do the next time I have an open block of time, I just keep that little recipe list off to the right-hand side. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's not, I mean, it's, there's nothing outrageous about this. I mean, you know, how many of you listening have your standard grocery list? There's even a few of you who you photocopied that thing 52 times, and every week you bring that to the store and you just put a check mark next to everything you need to buy that week. Mm-hmm. You know, as silly as an example of that sounds, I've known people that said that that gives them back a half hour a week of family time, of health time, of sleep time. You know, the other uh, example that you gave that hit a chord with me as well about meeting with a client is um, you had this person ask you, um, I, don't, I can't remember the question, but what you did was you didn't answer her. Instead, you took photographs of her office. Oh, this one was great. Um, so we all have different learning styles or information consumption styles. And as, as PIs, and you, you all listening to this are awesome at reading people. Uh, Francie, I know that you can read someone and you can tell what they're saying, if, even if they're saying the opposite kind of a thing. So what we found is that when people go to work every day, they work in the style that's comfortable for them to communicate in. Mm-hmm. Okay, what the world does that mean? There are three basic ways that we communicate. It's audio, visual, and kinesthetic. There's three basic ways we learn, audio, visual, and kinesthetic. Now, first Mm -hmm. of all, we all do all three. That's key to this little piece that I'm going to share with you. We all do all three, and we have an order of preference. So I gathered that the client that I was working with, she was very kinesthetic. She was somewhat visual. She told me in our conversation, she says, Jason, when I'm in meetings, people say things, I have to write them down. I don't Mm -hmm. remember just what they say. Mm -hmm. So I'm sitting there going, kinesthetic, visual, audio. Mm -hmm. So we're sitting in her office and she kind of turns to me. She goes, you know, what, how should I organize my desk? Mm -hmm. Well, (laughs) organize my desk from the perspective she was talking about it. And this was my intuition. It turned out later I was pretty close to right. There were other people on her team who had mentioned that her office might be disorganized. Yeah. Well, that was an audio experience. For her, she had to have the stack over there. She had to have the post-it on her computer. She had to have the drawer that she could open and close right away to get stuff in and out of. Yeah. So instead of trying to show her how to organize her office, what I had her do, we did this once a week for a month, is she backed up into one corner of her office. She took a picture, and she emailed me that picture with a description and explanation of why things were where they were in her office. (laughs) Look, she wasn't doing this for me, Francie. She was doing this so that she could solidify why she needed the stack there, why she needed the notes right. there, why the drawer the way that was the way that it was. And then I wanted her to explain that, not so she could explain herself to her colleagues, but so she had vocabulary for it. 
You know, Jason, we are out of time, <laughs> but you're, but this is a great example of, I, boy, I would recommend that everybody take a photograph of their office because Absolutely. you're going to see Absolutely. things that you wouldn't see when you're sitting in the middle of it. So, uh, but we have to go. Uh, it's been delightful. Thank you so much for joining the show. As you know, I've read your book from cover to cover, and I'm excited about going back through it and doing some of the assignments you recommend. So thanks, Thank you, Jason. Francie. Thank you, everybody. Okay. Join me again next week, everybody, when we declassify more real stories from real investigators and for real investigators every Thursday morning. It's P.I.'s Declassified. I'm Francie Kaler. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to P.I.'s Declassified with your host, Francie Kaler. Tune in every Thursday at noon Eastern Time. That's 9 a.m. for you West Coast listeners. P.I.'s Declassified explores stories of deceit, mystery, and detectives unraveling the truth. Every Thursday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 